Welcome, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Community Radio. This is bringing light into darkness, news, and analysis. I am your host, Pedro Gatos, and we are transmitting from Austin, Texas. This is a pre-recorded show which will be uploaded for your listening edification on the evening of Monday, August the 3rd, 2020. You can listen live each Monday night from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time at koop.org. Many of the shows are archived at pedrogatos.org. All comments are welcomed and can be sent to pedro at pgatos00 at gmail.com. That's pgatos00 at gmail.com. This is our 15th post-COVID show, A New World, But the Same Place. So stay tuned. But first, as we do before every show, we first go to war. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis, with your host, Pedro Gatos. Good evening. Over the last 17 years or more, we have been on the air here at Co-op Radio. Bringing Light into Darkness has a historical record of calling out and being later proven correct in calling out false representations of certainty on breaking U.S. foreign policy-related claims. These foreign policy-related false narratives we have called out under both Republican and Democratic administrations False narratives that were unquestionably accepted and perpetuated by our mainstream media inevitably were pointed towards promoting conflict and war. Seeking the truth of the world around us and how we can reduce forms of oppression that are directly created by our own species' behavior is the focus of this Bringing Light into Darkness Monday News and Analysis show. Bringing well-vetted information to the airwaves is essential to building trust in our news and analysis. Last week, we shared the underappreciated and underreported role of the Soviet Union in defeating Nazi Germany in World War II. This week, we turn our attention to the emasculating of the United States healthcare system under both Democrats and Republicans' leadership, which has, in huge part, left us so vulnerable to the COVID 19 epidemic, and which was compounded by the President Trump's administration failure of leadership and how the media and the Democratic Party wants to blame everything regarding a bipartisan system that fails to provide opportunity to succeed to its majority population. Blame all of that, that that problem is purely a Donald Trump thing, rather than is a systemic problem driven by both parties. And in fact, under the eight years of the Obama administration, which we have extensively documented on prior shows, the conditions of wealth inequality became much worse for our nation, as well as the disenfranchisement of African Americans. We now turn to the content of tonight's show, which features our special guest, the executive editor of Black Agenda Report, Glenn Ford. Good evening. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis, with your host, Pedro Gatos. Today is July the 30th. We are creating a pre-recorded show for your edification to be aired on Monday, August the 3rd. There is a massive misrepresentation that is being played out across the nation, night after night, week after week, and month after month since the initiation and mismanagement of the COVID virus epidemic. And that is that the whole blame game is tilted towards President Donald Trump. 
and there is validity in the claim of gross mismanagement by his administration. However, along with that mismanagement is the complete neglect of the important fact that under both Republicans and the eight years of the Obama administration, a common theme has been the continued economic disenfranchisement and quality of life decline for the majority population of the United States. This has been a bipartisan crime, which we are distracted from by the bickering blame game of both parties blaming the other and an impotent press. So tonight we wanted to reiterate the evidence that wealth inequality has been expanding and flourishing under progressive Democrats before Trump came to power and Trump with his tax breaks and other economic attacks on the majority population has only exasperated the immoral criminal outcomes of his predecessors. It's time to wake up and the racial injustice protests are arguably and hopefully the wake up call. For a full documentation of the past 40 years or more since 1980 to present that we have seen this what we call incrementalism this type of progress that's so slow that it's really not progress. You can check out the June 8, 2020 show that is at pedrogatos.org. But incrementalism and its close corollary tokenism is when you have progress, but it is at a snail space and therefore is more objectively described as a lack of progress because the status quo of unfairness remains largely intact. And what is that status quo? That's what we want to turn our attention to. And part of it is false image making, where the status quo is presented as something it is really not, that terms are created in order to give the appearance of humanity when really there is not. An example would be the poverty level for a family of four in 2017 was some $24,600. In 2018, it went up to $25,100, and today in 2020, it's 26200 Well, if you do the math, you should figure that clearly that is not a poverty level. That's a starvation level, that a family of four cannot survive on that type of income. They can't find housing, health care, child care, and everything else and live a life of any type of real quality on that type of amount of money. Yet it has been declared the poverty level. There's been studies by people that are familiar with and can judge with accuracy what it really takes to survive in a semi-comfortable type of way. And that resulted in really twice that level. In other words, back in 2017, really $49,000 would be what it would take, not the 24600 okay? So if you use that number, they even created a category for that. That would be called low income, 49000 a year. And anything under the poverty line would be called poor, okay? So at the same time President Obama accurately stated, this is back in 2016, on May 4th of 2016, thereabouts, he was given a speech, don't let China steal the lead on trade. And he said, over the last six years, America's businesses have created more than 14 million new jobs. And that's really positive, right? 14 million new jobs. But that is false image making if the jobs cannot sustain a livable wage. And in fact, that was their quality. Many of the jobs created provided unsustainable income. Meanwhile, poverty and unemployment went down. So you couldn't say you were unemployed. But if you're making starvation wages, the quality of life is of like a third world nation, not the most prosperous nation of the world. So while poverty and employment went down, low-income families soared 
while the greatest wealth transfer in history went from mainly middle class to the top. And this is under President Obama, the most progressive president. That is the key, wealth inequality. What you own, what you can use as collateral if your family ever got into terrible debt or a terrible circumstance. And even during Obama's administration, there was an incredible increase in the wealth inequality in our country. So this false image making, as unemployment falls, does the quality of employment, the conventional full-time job, actually was disappearing. A major study that was conducted by Harvard economist Lawrence Katz and Princeton economist Alan Kruger examining 2005 to 2015 under Obama administration revealed this big spread of part-time and contract work that they labeled alternative work because it had no benefits. It found that 94% of the 10 million jobs created during the Obama administration were temporary contract or part-time positions. And again, this is documented by an article by Dan Kopf, KOPF, back in December 5th of 2016. Almost all the U.S. jobs created since 2005 or temporary was the name of that piece. But the proportion of workers engaged in such jobs rose from 10.7% to 15.8%. That's like a 50% increase of these unsustainable wages-type jobs. The study found that under Obama, there were 1 million fewer workers engaged in full-time jobs than at the start of the recession. The result, covered up by false image-making, on top of unemployment numbers, 28% of U.S. workers were taking home poverty-level wages in 2011. So when you're looking at those deals, they don't combine those, but that's the reality that's not reported. Instead, the image-making creates a different image scenario. So the character of a nation is reflected on how its most vulnerable are cared for. And again, I'm going through this information basically to show the false canard that the COVID virus has caused all of our economic problems. This is before the COVID-19 deal. We had unsustainable levels of poverty, unemployment, and just outright angst that tens and tens of millions of people in the United States were caring because they didn't know how they were going to feed their kids or take care of their financial and other obligations. And the children were overrepresented among the nation's poor. They represent 23% of the population. This is back in 2015 period. The children were overrepresented among the nation's poor, but they represented 23% of the population, but 33% of the people in poverty, 40% higher than their percentage of population. Again, following eight years of the Obama administration. Over 23 million young children under the age of six in the United States. So if you look at that group of people, these under age six, among all of the children that are under 18 years of age, 23 million are uh, six years or, or, or below, okay? In 2015, 43% of them, compared to 39% in 2008, lived in low-income families. So there you go under the eight years of the Obama administration. If you do the math, that's like, what, a 10% increase in families that are living in low income. Again, that's twice the poverty rate. And 21%, approximately one in five, were living in poor families, which is, of course, the poverty rate. Okay? In 2015, 68% of the children under the age of six years old, these are black children, 68% of our country's black children in 2015 lived in low-income families. 
33% of white children lived in, in 2015 lived in low-income families, okay? So it's over twice the, twice the amount. But the percentage is, is unbelievable. Meanwhile, in 2014, for the first time in 130 years, adults aged 18 to 34 were slightly more likely to be living in their parents' home than they were to be living with a spouse or partner in their own household. The economy is so bad, economic systems so unsupportive of making a living that everyone's moving back into their, their parents' home. Not since the 1800s had there been such a high rate of 18 to 34-year-olds living at home. The bottom line with this, though, is that poverty really does kill. It's not just an uncomfortable living. It's a deadly living. A study on mortality that uh, we reviewed before back in January of 2016 by the National Center for Health Statistics showed that Americans could expect to live to, to be 78.8 years in 2015. That was a decrease for the first time since the early 90s with the HIV epidemic. It's unheard of type of deal for a country of our GDP, of our richness, and the amount of dollars in our economic system to have a life expectancy decline compared to all other advanced nations. We're an outlier. The decline was small but significant. In fact, it was called it was called huge, and the decline was a uniquely American phenomenon in comparison with other developed countries like Japan or Sweden, said Dr. Peter Munig, M-U-E-N-N-I-G. Dr. Munig is a professor of health policy and management at Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health, and his comments appeared in an article in the New York Times on December 8, 2016, by Katie Rogers, entitled Life Expectancy in U.S. Declines Slightly and Researchers Are Puzzled. So basically, that small percentage was about 86,000 more deaths than those recorded the year before in 2014. As life expectancy declined for the first time in 30 years. And what does that mean? When you compare life expectancy and you include, based on poverty and more challenging living conditions that increasingly afflict the majority population of our country, the results are striking. Poverty means one or two to two decades shorter lifespans. According to Disparity in Lifespans of the Rich and the Poor is Growing, an article by Sabrina Tavernese of the New York Times back in February 12th of 2016, researchers at Brookings Institution analyzed life expectancies for men and were among the top 10% of earners and compared those with those that were the bottom 10% of earners. And those men born in 1950, the bottom 10%, their life expectancy was 14 years shorter than those of the rich. This is what a second-class citizenship means. It means you are robbed of 14 years of your life. So when you talk about wealth inequality, such profound wealth inequality, that you're talking about shorter lifespans by more than a decade. And remember, all of this is before the COVID virus. All of this occurred and is manifested under both Republican and Democratic administrations. From 1983 to 2016, that last eight years was under Obama. Wealth and racial wealth divide was growing. Looking at the median household wealth over time shows that the social wealth divide is expanding, not closing. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. It's sucking the life out of the majority population. This is the economic environment in which Donald Trump won the presidential election in 2016. It wasn't the Russian boogeyman and all of this other nonsense that we were led to believe. Arguably, it was an untenable squeezing of the working class 
that's measurable in economics that we've been sharing in, on previous shows as well. And the benefit has gone to an elite bipartisan status quo, supported by a media that has failed to present and detail any of these inequities that we have been sharing over the last 10 minutes, this economic environment. Between 1983 and 2016, the median black family saw their wealth drop by more than a half after adjusting for inflation. The median white families, on the other hand, saw their wealth jump by a third. So this is the con, you know, that to blame everything on Donald Trump is to ignore we have a systemic problem. Part of that systemic problem is systemic racism, a very big part of it, no doubt. But these statistics that you can find in 10 Solutions to Bridge the Racial Wealth Gap that we just went over, that's an April 2019 piece by Dedrick Asante Mohammed that we'll come back to later in the show. Uh, also, Chuck Collins and Derek Hamilton and Josh Hoxie were co-authors. And then finally, I guess the greatest indictment of this systemic racism piece, at least, is that a study was published in the Annals of Epidemiology back in, it was published in 2011. The study involved some 100,000 men between age 20 and 79 who were held in North Carolina prison between 1995 and 2005. 60% of them were black. And the study that was done on North Carolina inmates, it was called Black Men Survive Longer in Prison Than Out of Prison. And it was a study that showed that black men were half as likely to die at any given time if they're in prison than if they aren't. That is the state of black America in our country. You have longer life expectancy if you live in a prison than if you're fending for yourself in the free world because of all of these structural inequalities and things that we've detailed in the past. And that worsened in many, many dimensions under the Democratic administration of President Obama and Biden. These are measurables, they're, they're undeniable. Clearly, I'm not making a pitch for Donald Trump, but the con is that we are led to believe that it's just the wrong party in power, that if we just switch parties, everything will be fine and that we're gonna redeem the soul of America. That's what Joe Biden is claiming in his political advertising, basically, stolen largely from Dr. Martin Luther King in the civil rights movement of the 60s. When we have eight years of Biden and Obama suggesting things got worse. Uh, so the American public, I think, needs to study these facts that are ignored by mainstream media and stop getting played like chumps and develop an alternative to the Republican and Democratic parties. The COVID virus has largely aggravated an underlying failed system, and President Trump has grossly mismanaged the execution of defending our country from the ravages of the, of the virus. But there is a larger illness that, that needs to be confronted and healed in order for us to take our country back. That is the underlying theme of tonight's show. So with that being said, I wanted to set up our interview that will be coming up with our very special guest, the editor of the Black Agenda Report, Glenn Ford. Okay, we are with the distinguished executive editor of Black Agenda Report, Glenn Ford. And this is bringing light into darkness, Monday News and Analysis, Co-op Radio, 91.7 FM. This is a pre-recorded interview on the 30th of July, which will be aired on the 3rd of Monday for your edification. Glenn, welcome back to Bringing Light into Darkness. Oh, it's always good to uh, talk with you. Well, listen, I wanted to, after that introduction, I wanted to highlight a couple of things and have you speak to them. There's a, a lot of data out there that has destroyed 
the, the myths of why black Americans are less likely to succeed financially when it comes to wealth than Anglo families. There's been studies looking at actual educational achievements and show that, for example, that a black head of household with a college degree has about 33% less wealth than a, a high school dropout Anglo head of household. And the wealth is skewed along racial lines in the United States. We know that from slavery, also the Jim Crow laws, followed by also the mass incarceration, predominantly of African Americans to this day, and police violence. All of these things have accrued a collective weight on the African American population that has resulted, according to the Reserve Survey of Consumer Finances, the median black family in 2018 owns practically no wealth, just $3,600 in net worth. And this figure is just a couple of percent of the 147,000 the median white family owns. This wealth ownership in 2018 of 147,000 is 41 times greater than the median family net worth and 22 times more wealth than the median Latinx family. So this is coming from uh, 10 Solutions to Bridge the Racial Wealth Divide back in April of 2019 by Dedrick Asante Mohammed and Chuck Collins, Derek Hamilton, and Josh Hoxie. So I was particularly interested in asking you to speak to a, a piece that you recently wrote in the middle of July, uh, Democrats will never choose transformative change, so uh, give them no choice. It was published in Black Agenda Report on July 16th of 2020. And in that piece, what was striking to me is uh, your very bold writing style that makes very declarative statements that when you check them out are true. You say the COVID-19 epidemic proved beyond all rational doubt that decades of bipartisan privatization and austerity had destroyed the U.S. public health care system, rendering the nation structurally incapable of coping with the viral onslaught. So the main story we're hearing and the image making that goes with this story to make it sound like this is all Donald Trump's fault. And, and of course, he has completely mismanaged this COVID virus. There's no doubt about that. However, the emasculating of the healthcare system occurs through this privatization and this actual transfer of wealth from the public sector to this, this 1%, if you will. Can you elaborate and educate us on that dynamic, this bipartisan privatization and austerity that has destroyed the U.S. public health system? Well, you've actually already described it. It is bipartisan under Republicans and Democrats that what there existed of a public health uh, system in the United States uh, has been methodically uh, sold off uh, to uh, private uh, corporations. And that includes the place uh, where I get my health care, the Veterans Administration. Uh, the VA hospital system was the only real socialist uh, example uh, of health care in the United States. It was modeled after the British national health system, in which the doctors and the other professionals actually work for the government health entity. That's what the VA uh, was modeled from. But, for example, in the first weeks of the COVID uh, crisis, I actually went to uh, the VA to get a throat problem not related to the virus uh, checked out. Uh, I was physically on uh, the premises, and although they said that they were afraid to look down my throat because it was uh, COVID time, uh, they would not test me for COVID-19. 
because the VA wasn't testing anybody unless they were admitting them to the hospital. So even the only example of socialist medicine that exists in the United States, even at the VA, they had been stripped of the capacity to do the basic procedures that are necessary in a contagious disease crisis, a test to see who has it. The assumption then is that we were so ill-prepared, we did not have the testing capabilities, and therefore all of these areas where we should have been testing were not getting tested. That is, the the VA has outsourced most of its functions to private uh, corporations. It has stripped itself of its socialist uh, characteristics. And the rest of the public health sector has been similarly uh, stripped uh, so that it cannot function as a system at all. Uh, So we have the Centers for Disease Control that everybody looks to for guidance, but there's nothing public under the CDC. It can't direct anything because the vast majority, uh, the vast bulk of uh, health, health, uh, the health system uh, is in private hands, and that even includes the VA effectively. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, when we talk then about, about neoliberalism, and I'm going to ask you to neoliberalism for dummies, maybe give a kind of a definition, because I think this is a basic language that people have to understand to deconstruct this continued wealth gap that has increased not just under Donald Trump, but increased remarkably under the eight years of President Obama. Things like deregulation, the starving of the state, if you will, where monies from the public sector are taken. Who benefits from that? If they're being taken from there, how does translate, this is directly translated into these wealth inequality numbers that continue to soar. Can you, can you elaborate on that for us? Yeah, well, uh, neoliberalism, neoliberalism consists basically of two parts. One is to uh, free capital uh, to uh, do whatever capital wants uh, to do, uh, to do away with constraints on capital's behavior. Uh, for example, the repeal of Glass-Steagall allowed uh, banks uh, to speculate and buy derivatives with your money, the money deposits uh, that you put in. In, in the bank. Uh, but in terms of labor, uh, I think the, we need to look at neoliberalism as being essentially uh, the product of global glo- corporate globalization. And that's the phenomenon beginning in the late 70s when the heads of multinational uh, corporations who uh, also run the United States government are deciding uh, that the whole of the global workforce will be treated similarly. And the workforces in the rich countries, in Europe and the United States, with their standard of living, their ability to make demands, uh, would be progressively pushed down so that they would have to compete uh, with the workers in what we used to call the third world, that this privilege uh, this aristocracy of labor uh, that people used to refer to, a status held by workers in Germany and France and the United States when they would get many multiples uh, higher wages than their counterparts in the third world, uh, that status would be progressively eroded. Uh, American workers would have to compete with workers in China and in Mexico. Uh, that, that's what outsourcing of jobs is about. Okay, Glenn, we need to take a quick break for the cause. We'll be back right after this. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, 91.7 KOOP, right here in 
Austin, Texas. Back after this with our special guest, the executive editor of Black Agenda Report, Glenn Ford. <laughs> 